0: We continue this morning with the fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. To this point, if we look at these beatitudes the that we looked at so far, and as we, if we look forward to the other four that will come after this, there seems to be a progression from one to the next. The first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. We see there's a, a weakness, a neediness Those that mourn, there's a a weakness and a sadness. The meek realize that they're weak before God. And that results in a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. So as a review real quick, when we talked about being poor in spirit, we saw that that is a, a realization that spiritually speaking, we are bankrupt before God. There is nothing that we can do that can overcome our spiritual condition which is against God and we need Him to intervene in our lives. And so because of that realization that we are spiritually bankrupt, we then do the next one. We mourn. We mourn over this condition that we find ourselves in. We mourn over our sin and we ask God to forgive us. And then in that state of understanding our bankruptcy and mourning over it, we become meek and we realize that it is God who reigns and not us. And so we live in this life toward God in meekness and towards other man in meekness. And then we come to this hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's born out of being poor in spirit. That's born out of being a mourner. That's born out of being meek. And we are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So this morning we're going to understand what it means to be hungry and thirsty... What it means to pursue righteousness and what it means to live out this promise that Christ gives us to be satisfied in our righteousness. And so I want to start, just as we've done each week, by looking at the condition that Jesus states, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and then we'll follow up and look at the promise, they shall be satisfied. And as we look first at the first half of this beatitude and this, this condition, I want to ask... Two questions, we're going to address two questions, and then I'm going to give two warnings. Okay, so follow with me. We're going to have two questions followed by two warnings before we move next to the promise that Christ gives us. Question number one, question number one, what does Jesus mean by hunger and thirst? We need to get this right because this is pivotal in this beatitude. We need to understand as we look at each of these that the Beatitudes were designed to startle the disciples. And they're designed to startle you and me. These aren't passive little soft words that Jesus is talking about. Poor in spirit is like a brick through a plate glass window to be blessed. To be blessed as a mourner is a brick through a plate glass window. To be hungry and thirsty here this morning is a startling description of what Christ expects out of his followers, the disciples. You and me, if we profess him as Lord. And so Jesus here, we need to understand, was speaking at the moment to people who had no guarantee about their next meal or where they were going to get water from. In fact, if you looked at the person that lived, the disciple that lived in Jesus's day, you would see that they planned their trips to make sure that they passed by watering holes, wells that were dug in the Old Testament days that they could draw water from, lest they die. So they understood thirst. They understood hunger. They didn't. These disciples that followed Jesus didn't have crops that they were tending to. They left their nets. Okay? And they were dependent upon God to provide for them. They didn't even have a place to lay their head down, Jesus says, if you follow me. That's what it will be like. And so these disciples understood the analogy that Jesus is giving, the metaphor that Jesus is giving about hunger and thirst. Well, I'm going to say that we have a little bit of a problem identifying with this idea of hungering and thirsting for something. This can be a difficult beatitude, if not like the others weren't, but this could be an especially difficult beatitude for us to adhere to and to follow and to embrace because we don't have this need for food and water like the disciples did. We have certainty. If you get in your car and you drive down Washington Street, you can solve your hunger and your thirst with the change that's in the console of your car or under the seats just like that at any one of 25 locations, <laughs> right? We, we don't have this desperation for food and water solutions in our life. It's everywhere. We as Americans, every one of us in this room is overfed and overwatered, right? So I want you to cast that aside, and because you're going to have struggles identifying with this idea of, hungering and thirsting, if you're thinking along those lines. So let me take you somewhere. I want you to go in your mind for a moment and ask yourself, where or when was a time in my life that I truly hungered and thirsted? And let's go with food right now. You know, there's there's times when you go swimming. I can remember as a kid swimming for two or three hours and coming out of the pool and devouring a full family-sized bag of Doritos. Okay, and hot dogs, and you just you don't even chew it. You're so hungry, you're so hungry, you're trembling, right? There's one scenario. How about this? I was in Uganda two summers ago, and we were in a remote place up in the northern part of the country, working, carrying water down, trying to build a building uh, out of mortar and stuff that we were making, and we had to haul water the better part of a quarter of a mile. And came, when lunchtime came, I was absolutely famished, to where I was trembling and wanting food. Well, the food that they served us, we watched them prepare it. It was a chicken. It was multiple chickens running around, and we heard them killed, and then we saw them served on the plate, and I will tell you that the drumstick was the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. There was more bone than meat. These were the boniest chickens you've ever seen in your life. So I didn't get a big lunch. But that night, oh, we got a meal. The, the people went down to the Nile River and they caught tilapia. And they boiled them in a big pot, heads on them and everything, didn't care. And the skin peeled right off of them and they filleted right off the bones. And I was so hungry because I was deprived at lunch of a good meal that I devoured a school of tilapia. <laughs> okay, And you're laughing? I got made fun of by everybody on the trip because I ate greater than 10... And less than 15 tilapia. I don't know what the number was. I lost track. Okay? I was famished. I hungered. I hungered for food in a way that I said, if I don't get this, we're going to have massive problems. You've had an experience where you've been hungry before. I want you to go there as we go through this beatitude, and I want you to say that's the kind of hunger and thirsting that Jesus is talking about a deep seated, fervent craving, a desperate craving for nourishment, and we're going to see in this case, for righteousness. And so let's proceed with this, this uh, metaphor that Jesus is using, and let's get an appreciation for what he's talking to. The next question is, what is righteousness? We, we now understand hunger. It's a fervent craving and hankering for. But what is righteousness in the book of Matthew? That's such a big term. Well, we could look a lot of places, but let's just stay right here in the immediate context Look back at Matthew 4, I mean Matthew chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to show you that first of all, this is not, this desire for righteousness, this is not a general desire for God's righteousness to fill the world. I don't think Jesus is talking about your kingdom come, your will be done alone. We do definitely want that. But I think we're talking, Jesus is talking about something far more specific here. So in Matthew 3, 14, we read this. John would have prevented him. This is Jesus coming to John to be baptized. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So there's a personal act that Jesus needs to do to fulfill righteousness. He needs to be baptized. So this is personal obedience to the will of God in the life of Jesus. Look at Matthew 5, verse 10. There's the last beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are persecuted because they are doing right. It's not a persecution because God's righteousness has come and filled the earth. It's against those people who have done specific righteous deeds according to the commands of God. Look at one more, Matthew five twenty. For I tell you, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is talking about the actions and what the disciples do and what followers of him should be about. And unless those exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So very clearly here, Jesus is saying, blessed are those who strive to do according to the will of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So there's our two questions. What does it mean to hunger and thirst? And what does Jesus mean by righteousness? Now, let's look at two warnings. The pursuit of righteousness is not a popular endeavor in our world, <laughs> right? In fact, we're told that we're going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake by the world, right? It is not popular. In our world to pursue this thing called righteousness. And I will say that you and I face temptations every day to be full of something. And the world finds fullness in things outside of righteousness, the world finds fullness in power and influence. And there are some who hunger and thirst for power, there are some who hunger and thirst for money and for property, and for toys, like these, right? This is either a toy or a tool. Be careful with these. The world hungers and thirsts for peace and tranquility on the world's terms. The world seeks fullness in pleasure and entertainment. And if we're not entertained, we're not full. The world seeks fullness in having privacy and me time and alone time without interruption. Get out of my life and leave me alone. I want to be independent. The world seeks satisfaction there. And yeah, the world seeks fullness in food and in drink. The world turns to all the wrong things. All the wrong things to be full and satisfied. And when we're empty in life, we are tempted to hunger and thirst for all types of things, but sometimes we are tempted to seek after things that are not righteousness. I want you to listen to 1 John. Don't turn there. Just listen to 1 John 2, 15-17. John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever the world and the desires that we fulfill in the world they're passing away we will not we will not be satisfied ever by the things of the world let me warn you a second way let's bring it now into the confines of the church even in the church world we can do things in the wrong with the wrong motives. We can be wrongly filled in when we pursue righteousness in the wrong way. You got to be careful when we do church. Listen to this. We can seek to be filled and pursue righteousness in religious rituals. The biggest religious ritual in America right now is going to church on Sunday morning if you come to church as a religious ritual what we do on Sunday mornings not hungering and thirsting to hear from the Lord and apply his word to your life you are not going to be satisfied so we can't come just for a rid- religious ritual at 10 15 on Sunday mornings how about this one some people seek spiritual experiences experiences Okay? Spiritual experiences. And really what this looks like in the lives of people is an emotional experience that complies with my idea of what God ought to be saying to me. And we think we've been filled with righteousness. And we have not. Because we came here on our terms, and we sought an experience, and we interpreted it on our terms based on our gut feel, even if that experience might be totally contradicted in the Scriptures. People fall into this trap of feeling righteous because they have self-imposed religious experiences. Two more. Spiritual knowledge. There are some that ravage this Bible to have spiritual knowledge only to use and to twist for their own glory and their own satisfaction. That is not a pursuit of righteousness. That's hungering and thirsting for something, but it's hungering and thirsting for mere intellectual knowledge and not a relationship with Jesus Christ. The last one, and I have seen this, there are some that hunger and thirst for spiritual influence over other people. I have seen people evangelize and take the gospel to people really as a tool to manipulate people to get them to believe what they think is right and not to point them to Jesus Christ in a true personal relationship with Him. And so evangelists can be manipulators of people so that they can exercise their power and their influence over the individuals that they encounter. That is not a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. That's a hunger and a thirst for self-promotion. So we need to be careful, even in the confines of the church, that we direct our hunger and thirst towards righteousness and not anything that would benefit ourselves. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, this is God speaking of Israel, his people. We are the church today, but for my people have committed two evils, God says. They have forsaken me, number one, the fountain of living waters, so they've not thirsted after me, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They have hungered and thirsted for something other than God in His righteousness, and they've sought to water themselves with their own cisterns that they've hewed out by themselves. And God says they are not; they have forsaken me. They have committed two evils. They are not pursuing me. You know that passage I've talked about—the most frightening passage in Scripture to me, at least—is is Matthew seven twenty-one. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then what does it say? but the one who does the will of my Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. The one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness will enter the kingdom of heaven is another way to say that. And so we've got to be careful as we live in this world that pursues, that's hungry and thirsty for things other than righteousness, and we have to be careful as a church when we come here and gather that we are hungering and thirsting after righteousness and not after something else like a religious ritual or a spiritual experience, or power. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to seek it as steadily and fervently as we seek food and water. And you seek food and water in ways that you're not even aware of. I mean, we've got three meals a day, right? And then we we put stuff in between those meals. We are constantly pursuing food and water. And we don't even know we're doing it. Do you have that kind of pursuit for righteousness in your life? Do you pursue righteousness in Christ as much as you pursue food and water? The person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness in this way is pursuing God and His will for their lives. And the blessed man, Jesus says, pursues righteousness. And this is not simply because he fears God, though he does but because righteousness has become to him the most important and burning desire within his life. Listen to Second Corinthians five twenty and 21. Therefore, Paul writes, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. There's the hunger and the thirst. Be reconciled to God. For our sake he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might be satisfied in Christ because we pursue him and we are reconciled to God through him. So there's two warnings after we look at these two questions. Let's be careful that we endeavor to pursue righteousness and we point our hungers and thirsts towards God and not the things of this world. Now let's look at the promise that Jesus gives us with this beatitude. They shall be satisfied. We can't go too quick over this phrase, for they shall be satisfied. Satisfied is a huge word in this passage. It doesn't mean partially filled. It doesn't mean staved off for a moment. Jesus Christ promises those that pursue righteousness, those that hunger and thirst for it, will be given it to the full. To the full. Filled entirely. My cup can runneth over. You've heard Scripture like this, right? Well, listen to Psalm 23. I want you to turn there with me. Psalm chapter 23, the first three verses. I'm going to show you this beatitude happening in the psalm of david here in in psalm 23 you know this you're familiar with this maybe you've got this memorized david writes this the lord is my shepherd what shall not want i'm satisfied right if you're satisfied you have no want And that's what Jesus is promising us in this beatitude. If you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you're not going to want it because you're going to get it. And so the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look what He does next. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. What does a sheep do in a pasture? He eats. He's hungry. And He takes us to pastures where we can be satisfied to the full. He leads me beside still waters. Why do we need water? Because we're thirsty. And Christ leads us. The Lord, our shepherd, leads us beside still waters to satisfy our thirst. Then look, He restores my soul. That restoration is the satisfaction of being hungry and thirsty and being satisfied by the Lord. He restores our soul. And He leads us in paths, and there's the word, of what? Righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness he's going to lead us on that path of righteousness and he will satisfy us and that's what psalm 23 1 through 3 is about so we can be assured that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness our faithful God's going to fill us with righteousness the problem is we hunger and thirst for things other than righteousness things of this world and God's not going to pour those things into us and those things are going to burn off and we are not we are not going to be satisfied so the desires of our heart will be met only when we desire righteousness and I want to show you I want us to now turn to John chapter 4 there's a lot of verses that we could look at we're going to look at two in John chapter 4, starting in 14, or just, just verse 14. And then we'll look at one in John 6. I want to show you that hungering thirsting for righteousness is a hunger and a thirst for Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ. We will see that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. So Jesus is encountering the woman at the well, right? In John 4, starting in verse 13, Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. So there's a hunger and a thirst for a thing of this world. Liquid H2O water. Okay, You're hungry and you're thirsty for that. You get some, you're going to want some again. It's not going to satisfy you. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Do you thirst for Jesus Christ? If you go and draw from the well... That is Jesus Christ. If you go seek righteousness, you will never thirst for righteousness. Again, it's a promise right here in the Bible. The water that I give Him will become in Him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You talk about being full. You're being filled with the water that Jesus Christ is. Eternal water. And it will well up and come out of you and you will have eternal life. You will have satisfaction forever. That's what it means to be filled with to, to be satisfied in our craving for righteousness. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Look at the next one, John 6:53, starting in 53. Actually, I've got let's see, 35. I think I have the wrong verse there. Yes, go to 35, John 6:35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Do you see that Jesus Christ is that, is, is whom we should hunger and thirst for? Nothing of this world will satisfy this hunger and thirst that we have, but only a, 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 a taking in of Jesus Christ, the bread of life, Will we, be solve, will we solve this hunger and this thirst problem? So the analogy plays out. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ, for they shall be filled and satisfied for all of eternity. So I point you this morning to Jesus Christ, is what you should point all of your hungers and thirsts towards, all your desire towards. Now, for the Christian life, in the here and now, we will never cease to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, okay? Remember we've talked about the, heavens, the the kingdom of heaven is already here, but not yet fully consummated, right? It's already here, but it's not yet full. And so while we live in this Christian life, we are already righteous if we believe in Jesus Christ. God looks at us and says, they're righteous. You are righteous because my, the blood of my Son has for, covered your sin. And so we're righteous now, But we still struggle in this world with the flesh that we live in, don't we? We still struggle with this sin nature that we have. And so we continue to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. But there is a day coming when this hunger and thirst will be fully satisfied when Jesus Christ comes again. And that's the day that we are all waiting for. And so I would say that the more that we conform to God and His will in our lives through Christ the more hungry and thirsty we get for more of it. The more attractive it comes to hunger and thirst for Christ. And the more that we're satisfied in the moment, the more we want it again and again and again. And one day we will get it to the full. It sounds like an addiction, doesn't it? When you truly hunger and thirst for Christ, and you meet with Him in His Word, and He satisfies you in that moment, I'm telling you, you want to do it again. You want to experience that again. You want to grow again. You want to be less hungry and less thirsty the next time. And so you keep coming after it when you truly have been filled in that moment with the righteousness of Christ. It's like an addiction. It's just like a gluttony or addiction towards food or drink or drugs or work or exercise. All these addictions that we have, they're wrong because, yes, they're bad for our bodies, and our bodies are a temple of the Lord. But they're really wrong because we are hungering and thirsting after something above and beyond righteousness. We have substituted our desire for righteousness for things of this world. And so we need to be checking our desires and checking what we're hungry and thirsty for and making sure that that is pointed towards the righteous things of Christ. So now let me, let me apply this. I want to look at four questions that we need to ask ourselves and we'll close with this four questions that we need to ask ourselves when we say are we hungering and thirsting for the right thing first of all are you seeking satisfaction in yourself we tend to make ourselves out to be god and our source of satisfaction and i think if you do that you will find that you're highly dissatisfied with yourself i am I know that when I lean on me and I've gone through a meager time of prayer where my prayer life is watered down, I have leaned on myself to be my source of satisfaction. And I am greatly dissatisfied. No matter what you seem to think, feel, do, you always seem to be empty. That's because you're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness, you're hungering and thirsting after yourself. And we cannot be satisfied with ourselves. Why? We're going to die one day. And we're going to stop meeting our needs. And it's not as if when we die and we've sought satisfaction in ourselves that now Jesus will take over in in the eternal life and satisfy us. It doesn't work that way. He will say, I never knew you. You pursued yourself. I don't know you. Depart from me. No, we need to seek now to, to be satisfied only in Christ. Number two. Do you find that the material things of this world that you have sought satisfaction in are very dissatisfying? They might satisfy you for a season, but at the end, that evaporates. And you're no longer satisfied. Look at all the millionaires in the world. They still want more, don't they? They've never reached a level of satisfaction. And the Bible tells us, we'll see it later in the Sermon on the Mount, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, Where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Rather, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Righteousness in Christ is what we need to be pursuing and storing up. Number three, do you have a great appetite for the Word of God? Turn to Psalm 19. Do you have a great and strong appetite for the Word of God? Here's what's written to us by David in Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. This is a picture of someone who hungers and thirsts for the Word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then watch this. More to be desired are they than gold, things of the world, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward." we're warned, we hunger and thirst for them, and when we keep them, we are satisfied because righteousness is found in the Word of God. I'm concerned, I'm concerned about the American church, and we are part of the American church. I'm really concerned about the condition of the church in America today. There seems to be a lack of hunger and thirst for the Word of God. And there's a great and tremendous desire for a whole bunch of activities and, and fun, if you will. And we can have plenty of fun in the Word of God, but there is a hunger and a thirst that is not pointed towards the Word of God in the American church. And we can see evidence of this and we can see the fruits of this all over the place. Many people in church say, what's in it for me? This church needs to meet my needs This church is a place for us to be satisfying our hunger and our thirst for righteousness. And we do that by coming and gathering around this Word in every time that we we gather, whether it be at 9 o'clock in Sunday school, 10.15 now, Sunday night, Wednesday night, women's mentoring, men's mentoring, Bibles. We are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and together we go and draw from the well that is Jesus Christ, the Word of God. The American church is forsaking this. May we not be one that's a part of that. And may God use us to draw other churches to hunger and thirst for His Word. You know, you never have to put a plate of food in front of a hungry and thirsty man and beg him to eat, do you? You don't have to do that. You don't even have to tell him to eat. If it's there, he's devouring it. And if we're really hungry and thirsty... We're not going to have to beg one another to open the Word of God and eat and drink. It's going to be a sign of what you truly hunger and thirst for. And if you're apathetic towards this, then you have a report card right there that says you're not hungering and thirsting for the righteousness that is found only in the Word of God and in His Son, Jesus Christ. Last one. Turn to Matthew 19. This will be the last one we look at by way of application. Is your hunger and thirst for righteousness unconditional? Is it unconditional? In Matthew 19, starting in verse 16, we see the rich young ruler, the parable of the rich young ruler. And it says this, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So we see right there, there's some hunger, right? And some thirst. And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this man was hungry and thirsty for the things of this world, not for righteousness. He found satisfaction in the things of the world temporarily, but we see that he's living in a state of dissatisfaction because he asked Jesus what can he do to get eternal life. He realizes everything that he is about is not going to satisfy him. He was rich, yet he was satisfied in the moment. But he wanted eternal life, and nothing he owned could fill that need. And when he was told about how to get what he desired, he was disappointed because his hunger and his thirst was pointed to the wrong things. So how many of us, or how many moments in our life, do we want to be right with God, but we don't point our desires towards him? How many times do we say, I want eternal life in Christ, but I am not willing to hunger and thirst after him. I'm going to go get it from the things of this world. That's a question that we often need to be asking ourselves. There's a time coming when it's going to be too late to hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's going to be a time that comes that we will hunger and thirst for righteousness, but it will be impossible for us to be satisfied. We're going to have a moment where we're going to meet with Christ, and He's going to determine if we will spend eternity with Him, or if he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And if he says, depart from me, I never knew you, we will then hunger and thirst for righteousness forever, and it will never be satisfied. Ever. Because we have been cast away from Christ. But if he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, come, we will no longer hunger and thirst for righteousness because we will be filled to the top and overflowing For all of eternity. So where are you right now? Are you hungering and thirsting for the righteousness that is found only in Jesus Christ? If you are, I pray that he will satisfy you as he has promised. Let's pray.